0: <laughs> I mean, it's so good to be back here with family. Um, man, I, I just have to say, I know some of y'all are like, I can't believe you came without the baby. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. But I, I, did, I did come with some pictures, so I wanted to show you my pride and joy. There's a little Atlas. He is adorable, especially when he sleeps. There's Malin with Atlas and, and Stephanie with Atlas. And and uh, man, they are, they, they wanted to make sure both Malin and Steph that I said that, that they say hi and, and they wish they could be here too. Um, man, this, this is home for us. Um, as much as I am so grateful, just give you an update, uh, we're at a church in Vincennes, Indiana. I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Uh, everything Steve told me, uh, sadly, is true. Uh, <laughs> But man, it's, it's just been a lot of fun getting to preach every week and, and getting to lead and do that. I, I feel like I'm where I'm at. I have a great board that supports me, a great church family. We're, we're really thankful to be where we are. Uh, but th- th- there's a little piece of us that, that this is home for us. So it is, a, it is an honor and a blessing to be back here. I just want to say thank you. Uh, so many of you have poured so much uh, into my life. Uh, and into my family's life and supported us. And, and man, what, what a blessing it is to, to be here. Now, I have the pleasure of continuing the series that Steve started last week called In It, To Win It. So, speaking of winning, did anybody watch the Super Bowl? Come on, man. I was like, I was so pumped to watch it because Tom Brady wasn't in it. <laughs> so, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams. They, they win the Super Bowl, right? And I, I looked this up, and I thought this was really interesting. There are 78 people on the roster. 78. But out of those 78, only 31 had stats. So in the game, in the Super Bowl victory, only 31 people contributed to that win in the game. But interestingly enough, all 78 of them, they get rings. Like, Let me be the guy on the bench, right? I'll sit on the bench and be a a champion of the world. So we've got to understand that that same thing is true of us. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, the victory is ours to share in. We didn't die on the cross, praise the Lord. He did, but he did it so that we could be victorious. And I believe that Jesus died so much more than just eternal life. Rather, he wanted us to begin to experience heaven here on earth. Experience experienced the spiritual fruit that he made possible. A way of navigating the, this idea of in it to win it, that, that we can win against the things in this world that seek to knock us down. Now, despite what the world may define as, uh, define as, as success with power and fame, wealth, uh, relevancy, those of you that are younger, it's all about being an influencer, But Jesus knows that there are real issues that we face daily, issues that seek to defeat us from within, discouragement, guilt, worry, temptation, shame. And our topic for today, mediocrity. What does it mean to be mediocre? It means to be average. It means to be ordinary. It means that you're not good, but you're also not bad. To be lukewarm. See, but I believe that any of us that think that we're bound to mediocrity is to shortchange our creator. David declares us in scripture that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. As God looked over all of his creation, what did he say? He declared it to be good. In Romans, Paul says that we are more than conquerors. Jesus proclaims in John that we are destined for great. I want to read to you John 14, 11 through 12. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. In fact, even greater works because I go to be with the Father. And Jesus tells us here that if if we believe, if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains after the gift of the Holy Spirit The church begins to grow under the leadership. Why? Because of faith. He says that we can do the same things that he did. In fact, greater things all under the leadership of the disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that was in in them, that same Holy Spirit is available to us. And with that knowledge, sometimes I ask myself, I, I was led to wonder and ask this question where is the evidence of great in my life? Where is the evidence of great in our Christian churches? What is keeping us from kingdom impact? What is keeping us at status quo? What is it that keeps us mediocre? What are the barriers that keep us from reaching higher? What is hindering us from dreaming bigger? If you have your sermon outline, we're going to run through a few of those things. I just think there's some things that, that prevent us. Barriers, obstacles. The first is the fear of failure. And, and we can be honest as a church, guys. None of us like to fail. Oftentimes, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's frustrating. But you, we can't let failure keep us from competing at all. Because if we don't compete, then there's definitely no chance of winning. That famous quote that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you do not fail, how can you learn to grow? How can you get better? There's something really interesting that happens. The Israelites go to war all the time in the Bible, and every time they lose, one specific thing is is because the Lord their God is not with them. And as hard as it was for them to lose, at least it was an indicator that, hey, guys, something is wrong. Failure is hard, but it's necessary for growth, and we should not fear it. Another one is complacency. And sometimes for whatever reason, sometimes it's like we just don't care. We're unmotivated. Sometimes we just, we become satisfied with average. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this and I've said it. C's get degrees. Like, but it communicates this lack of passion and effort. This often happens because of comparison. Sometimes you might hear somebody say, well, you know what, my marriage isn't perfect, but we're at least still together. Or I have sin, but I don't have as much sin as that guy. Or, you know, I I gossip every now and then, but I don't gossip nearly as much as those girls. Another one is sometimes we simply just get overwhelmed. Being overwhelmed. There's just too much on our plates. We're trying to do too much. Sometimes we get sucked in the vortex of life. Like, who has time to dream? I'm just trying to get my stuff done. Much less think about what's next. And sometimes our plates get so full that we don't have time for Jesus. And interestingly enough, this is the same thing that happens to me when I go to Golden Corral. No room left on the plate. Sometimes I think this happens too because our dreams are bigger than our faith. We let the seemingly impossible limit our vision. Another one is simply lack of resources. We lack the things that that we think we need to dream big and to do great things. Whether it's money, connections, education, support, we start playing this what if game or only if, only if I had this, only if I had that, only if I was more like this. The next one I I, I wrote in mostly just for me, but I'm assuming there might be some of you out here that, that are in this ballpark with me. Cynicism. This negative mindset that is honestly fueled by a lack of hope, slowly deciding that, that everything that is greater is either impossible or pointless. Man, I can't win. And even if I could win, it doesn't matter. I, I, what difference does it make? And sometimes we use this as, as a way to avoid the pain of disappointment. You convince yourself that winning is impossible, so it doesn't hurt so bad when you lose. And the last one is Skepticism. And to me, skepticism is when cynicism is torn, turned inward and upward. We begin to doubt God, his ability to work in and through us. We doubt ourselves, convinced that our lives can never have impact, that we can't make a difference, that we can simply never be great. But regardless of what keeps us mediocre, we have a Savior that calls us to more. A Savior that's telling us the opposite here. He's telling us that we are capable So regardless of how you feel, regardless of the obstacles you face, Jesus is is telling us that we don't have to be satisfied with mediocre. So what does it mean to be great? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for us, the church? The first piece is this. Greater is about attitude, not opportunity. Greater is about attitude, not opportunity. I want to read to you Titus 3, 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work. Man, I don't know if you get into reading the Bible much. You really should. There's so much great stuff. I'm going to recommend you read Titus 1. It's only three chapters, and it is good stuff. And if you don't have a Bible, guess what? There's one in the pews. You can take it home, charge it to Pastor Steve but okay. I read this verse it kind of made me uncomfortable this, this, this word submission is not always the easiest thing and, and in my life I've had a, a lot of rulers and authorities that have shown me nothing worth trusting and being submissive to but it's when that last line caught me to be ready for every good work. I was beginning to see that through submission, submission allows me to focus on what's important, and that is the opportunities that are before me, opportunities to help people, opportunities to serve, to give, to bless other people. And if I'm busy fighting the rulers of this world, then I'm letting my bad attitude blind me from what matters most. If I'm busy on Facebook smearing all these leaders' names and arguing with people that disagree, how can I be ready to look for opportunities to love my neighbor and pray for my enemies? My attitude towards myself and other people, it affects my ability to see and respond to what is possible. And that is is that every day we live on this planet, we have opportunities. The question is not whether or not we have opportunities, it's whether or not we'll take them. There's a story of a guy in the Bible, his name is Joseph. And you guys know Joseph is this guy that has the coat of many colors. He's, he's the youngest and he's the favorite and he has these, these dreams of ruling over his brothers. And can I, just, can I just pause for a moment, okay? If you start having dreams about ruling over your siblings, don't tell them about it. Because <laughs> you really don't want to get sold into slavery. That's what happens to Joseph. He's got this big dream, right? He gets sold into slavery. Well, what am I supposed to do now? So then he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house, and, and, and he does such a good job that, that he gets elevated almost to the highest spot. And then he, gets, he get, has a run-in with Potiphar's wife who says, hey, this man tried to sleep with me. He's like, what? You tried to sleep with me. But it doesn't matter because he's just a servant. So where does he go now? He's in prison. He's got these big dreams. He's a slave big dreams in prison. And I just think about the attitude that, that he carries throughout the story. Like for a guy who, whose dream seems to be constantly derailed, if anybody had a reason to give up faith, it was Joseph, but he never let his circumstances dictate his attitude and he always trusted in God. I believe that Joseph lived, Joseph lived out this Colossians verse. This is three twenty three through 24. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. Man, what would have happened if, we, if he would have given up? What would have happened if he let discouragement overtake him, feeling sorry for himself? He might have missed the opportunity to get himself out of prison. Who would have expected this guy, who is an outcast, this guy who is a convicted home wrecker, to become second in power in all the land of Egypt? All because he was ready for the opportunity. Opportunities are everywhere. Even in your interaction here at church today. This week as you go back to school and work and and wherever you spend your time. Even in the ways that we connect and interact with each other online. We have an opportunity to be a great blessing to other people. But will we see them and will we take them? And I just want to say that I, these opportunities to, to do great things in others' lives, it's, a, it's about impact. It doesn't necessarily have to be this big, elaborate thing. So those of you who know, I, I really, I, I feel like we are such a, a, a blessed people to be where we are. And, and God has, he has seen us through. But I got to be honest, man, There's, there has been some nights where I have just been Done. I mean, I'm, I'm moving to a new city. I'm, I'm trying to buy a house in this crazy market. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a job I've never done before. I'm, the buck stops with me, right? Like It's a whole new experience. We've we got another baby now. There's not a lot of sleep going on sometimes at our house, right? It's, there's, there's been some really, really hard nights. And I, man, I am, I am in awe. Of not just my wife, but all women, and and what you guys go through to, to breastfeed, and the, 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 I mean it's, it's incredible. There was a day that that Stephanie was just really down, and already cried. <laughs> I left, and I got so emotional. I don't know what happened. I said the, the babies, I guess. I don't know what it is. The whole, yeah. And so, I'm in the room. I'm I'm trying to hold Atlas and comfort him. He's crying. Stephanie's crying. Malin runs in, like you know, just like life of the party. She reads the situation, immediately leaves. But then she goes. She goes into the living room. She gets a sheet of paper. She cuts out a heart. And she writes a love note to Steph. And it's in those moments where you're just like, ah, children can be such a pain. But then it's like, wow. It, it changes everything. This little thing, right? Cutting out a heart. It probably it was not a good-looking heart. Her her handwriting's not the greatest, but it, it meant the world that she read this situation, he said, I want to do something for mama to make her feel better. We all have that opportunity every day to read situations, to see where people are, and to make just a little bit of effort. And it's incredible the impact that God can have through you and the little things. How can we live our lives today, tomorrow? intentionally with good attitude simply because we want to be ready for every good work. The next piece of this is greater is achieved with divine power and not human strength. Greater is achieved with divine power and not human strength. This means that, that greater is not limited by your ability but can be enhanced through your faith and through your humility. It is humility that opens the door for God to work in and through us. And it's not about shame, but it's God's desire for us to be a part of what he's doing, to share in his mission, to share in his, his glory, rather than to seek our own. I went to a concert when I was in high school. It was like the only concert I wanted to go to. I made my mom buy me tickets, and I went with one of my good friends. And it was a John Mayer concert. And, and when I was in high school, I just I I loved, still do love John Mayer. And at the time, I just was going to see John Mayer. Right? I didn't I didn't know this this little unknown band that was opening for him called Maroon Five. <laughs> Obviously, uh, they've had some success. And there was this moment at the concert where I'm like, man, this, this band, Room 5, is really, really good. And in the middle of their set, John Mayer just walks out on stage and starts playing electric guitar with them. And I'm just like sitting there, just like soaking it in, right? It's like, this is amazing. But what made that moment amazing was two artists coming together to collaborate. I love the fact that God doesn't come into our lives and just save us and say, you guys are so incompetent, I just have to show up and I have to do everything. No, God wants us to be a part of what he's doing to share in his glory. This means that when we talk about greater, it's not about being smarter, it's not about being stronger, it's not about being more kind, but it's about leaning into our partnership with him, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is great news because it takes our incompetence out of the equation. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. Jesus says that, that we are capable because he goes to be with the Father to advocate on our behalf to send us the Spirit, which means that on a scale from 1 to 10, if you were a 2, Jesus comes to be the 8 that you are not. So you are always operating out of a 10 through humility. And he's like, well, Pastor well, this sounds great. But what, what does that look like? How do we let God perfect our weakness? There's a couple things, and I want to read James 4, 2 and 3 to you. I, give it, I think it gives us a couple insights for this. It says, you crave something that you do not possess, so you murder to get it. You desire things that you cannot earn, so you sue others and fight for what you want. You do not have because you have chosen not to ask. And when you do ask, you still don't get because you ask with the wrong motives, because you continually focus on self-indulgence. You have because you do not ask, and when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. So let's go to, to ask here for a second. How much time are you spending in prayer asking for God to complete you? How much time are you spending in prayer asking for God to be the strength in your weakness? How much time are you spending in prayer asking for God to be who you cannot be on your own? And then goes to Motives. When we're praying, where where are our motives? Are we saying things like this, Lord, heal this person because I cannot live without them. Or are we saying, Lord, heal them so that your power and your name may be glorified. We say, Lord, Lord, bless me, please bless me. Or are we saying, Lord, bless me so that I can be a blessing to those around me. Say, Lord, heal my broken heart. So that I can move forward. Are we saying, Lord, heal me so that I can help others find healing as well? We say, Lord, help me to be excellent so that I can look good. Or, Lord, help me to be excellent so that you can be seen through me. So we we moved to Indiana. And there in Indiana, there is an organization called Isaiah 117 House. And they are kind of like a halfway house for foster kids. And they decide to have this lemonade stand fundraiser. And so Malin's like, you know what? I want to have a lemonade stand fundraiser too. And I want to help raise money. And she's like, we're like well, sweetie, we think you should set a goal. She's like, okay, let's raise $1,000. <laughs> well, okay, I'm glad I got a darling that dreams big. Let's, let's go for us. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be real glad if we get 200 bucks. But I tell you what, man. People showed up. She inspired people to give. and God showed up, including a couple days ago, we did the funeral for Betty Klosner, and she's one of the ones from this church that gave to, gave, gave to Malin. What, what a legacy that is. What, what an awesome thing that is. And some of, some of you gave too. But Malin, that girl, she raised $1,000. Now, I hope you understand this, If Malin was raising money for a scooter for herself, people probably wouldn't have given. Maybe, you know, grandparents, because that's their job. But when our motives are, are focused on the right thing, we can be a blessing. When our motives are focused on the right thing, it becomes an invitation to God and to other people to help That's why he tells us to take his yoke because his burden is light. Not because his burden is easy, but because God is the one who's on the other side of that yoke. All because of collaboration. When we've got the right motives, people come together and God does great things. When We accept the invite to work with him. Let me give you one more. Greater is defined by eternal impact, and not worldly success. Greater is defined by eternal impact. And not worldly success. So one of the really neat things about being at a church like this for five years is that I can take everything I loved and replicate it where I'm at. And every dumb idea Steve had, I can leave it here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I. I owe so much to this man. Please, I'm just kidding. But, so, one of my favorite things in the church since I was a kid, still today, is the the candlelight service. I love the candlelight service. And I love what we do at church here where we have like a little goodie bag for the kids. And a part of that goodie bag, there's a glow stick. Because some kids can't be trusted with fire, let's be honest. Um. And so I, I told my secretary, I said, I want you to, I want you to put together these little, these little gift bags for the kids, right? And I want you to buy glow sticks. So she goes online and she buys glow sticks. If you're wondering what I'm holding, I'm also wondering the same thing. I, I went to her off. I said, did you buy glow pills? I mean, at least they work. But like, what is this? This this is not what I expected. So here's the issue, right? When she was online reading the reviews and looking at the things, what she thought was inches was centimeters. That makes a little bit of a difference, right? Not what we were expecting, so we had to order more, right? She was using the wrong metric to measure these glow sticks. And I wonder how often in life we do the same thing. We're using the wrong metrics to measure what we think is greater. It's not about fame. It's not about power. It's not about being a celebrity. It's about eternal impact. And I love the, the, the shift that God makes in the disciples. He goes to the disciples. He said, you used to fish for fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Why? Because if you catch fish, you can feed somebody. But if you catch men, you're saving souls and sending them to heaven. That's what I came. That's what matters to me. There's a line in John 14 that really stuck out to me. That verse we read at the beginning. Jesus says, if you do the works that I have done. So if we want to be great, then we've got to model ourselves after Jesus. This means taking time to say, well, what did Jesus do? And how do we follow him? I want to read to you Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. God in the flesh, Jesus, the Most High, came not to condemn, not to be worshipped. He came to serve, not to be served, but to love. He came to wash feet. He came to recline with the spiritually lost. He came not just to heal people, but to show them the way. That's why every time he heals somebody, he says, go and sin no more, because don't waste your healing here on earth. I want to see you again in heaven someday. Think about how revolutionary this is. Name me one other God who left their comfy place that came to earth to serve, to love his people, to make a way. I, I love, there's a story in scripture where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And after he does this, he, he takes what, five loaves and two or three fish, and he, he feeds 5,000 people. Like, what? And at that moment, these people are like, this dude is crazy. This guy needs to be our new king. They're they're ready to storm Rome and say, no, no, we're serving Jesus. Let's do this. But what does Jesus do? He sneaks out, he finds solitude, he spends time in prayer. He didn't want to just be king over their lives. He wanted to be Lord over their hearts. He didn't just want to build a kingdom here on earth. He wanted to build a kingdom that lasted forever. He didn't see equality with God as something to cling to. Rather, he sacrificed everything for those he loved. So what was Jesus famous for? He was famous for his mercy. He was famous for his slowness to anger. He was famous for his faithfulness, for justice, for grace, compassion, unfailing love, humility, servanthood, stewardship. The question I want to leave with you today is what will you be famous for? What will you be famous for? I I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening to me in my life. I can't even watch an episode of Sweet Magnolias without crying these days. And I I normally get a little bit apprehensive about flying, but the night before I flew here, I almost almost had a panic attack because I I looked at my life and and I realized that now with two kids and and one a baby, I have so much to live for and, and so much that depends on me. And I don't know about you, when I'm on the plane, I'm, I'm good with everything except takeoff. I do not like takeoff. I spend the entire takeoff praying. In fact, there was a little kid next to me, and it was his first time flying. I looked over and I said, Listen, dude, you don't got to worry. I'm going to pray enough for the both of us. <laughs> and while I was there on that plane and, and I was praying, and, and I was praying for my life, I, I felt like I, I had this thought that I I don't want to live my life assuming that I'm going to go to heaven. And I don't want to live a a life of mediocre faith. And and I don't want to insinuate in in any way that we can earn our salvation, because we can, it's a free gift. But I, I just want to make a difference. And I don't care if I'm ever great here on earth, but I want to be great for my King. I want to return to Him what He has done for me and give Him my life. And in return, we serve a God that that gives us opportunity to share in his glory, to share in his victory. And this to me means that if you still draw breath, then God has a plan for you, he has a purpose for you, that he's going to do something mighty through you, regardless of your age. You have Jeremiah who says to God, I'm just a young dude, what can I do? He says, I am with you. Maybe there's some of you here, you're like, I'm just, I'm I'm older now, I I just can't do what I used to do. Listen, if you still have breath, God will use you. You are the saints of our church and we need you to show us how to live. If you still control breath, there are people in your life that you have influence over. God is wanting you to be fishers of men. Fishers of women, fishers of people who haven't experienced the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but mediocre is not good enough for me. God has called me and told me that I can be great and I want to do whatever I can to be great for my King. And I don't know where you are this morning and and I don't know how God might speak to you, but I do know this. Your time's not over. God can still use you in your schools, in your workplaces. I got a guy in in my church right now who got COVID and Ended up getting this thing called guillain Beret. I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. His name is Vic Klein. He's, he's such a strong dude. He's, he's fighting so strong. He's just been up and down and up and down, getting pneumonia, get this and ever. I, I love this dude. Every time I go see him in the hospital, he's talking to somebody about Jesus or he's teaching the, the, the nurses Spanish. Like regardless of, of how tough you think your situation is, God can use you wherever you are. But you got to believe that. So Rachel's going to sing to us today. I just want you to think about that. Who in your life desperately needs you and your love? Would you agree with me in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for our chance to worship together in this place. Lord, I hope that each of us are a little bit challenged, but Lord, let us not be overwhelmed look for the little opportunities to be a difference to make great impact to start chipping away some of the stony hearts of the people in our lives to to be fishers of men the one thing we know about fishing is that it takes patience you can't give up so help us to continue to be positive loving slow to anger faithful unfailing love to the people in our lives all because of your power through your wisdom, not for our glory, but for yours, Father God. As we leave this place, we ask for your strength to be your children. We love you. We praise you in your holy name. Amen.